Blog Talk Radio. It's time for Standing on My Soapbox, the daily rant and radio show. We talk about all of the good, bad, and the ugly of current events. Join your host, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. You, our listeners, are invited to call in and stand on our soapbox with us. Call 347-989-0126 between 4 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. That's 347-989-0126. Now, here are your host and creator, Scott Fullerton, and co-host, Craig Hurley. Well, thank you, Katie, and welcome, everyone, to Standing on My Soapbox. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton, and thanks for joining us on this special time while we're here in Palm Springs. We'll be here all June long, Wednesday through Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. In just a few seconds, I will be joined by our special guest host, Katie Barberi, for the first little bit, and then Mr. Craig Hurley will be joining us after a bit. It is Thursday, June 6, 2019. We hope you can take the time to call in. Join us as we talk about the news, politics, and pop culture of the day here. You can give us a call at 347-989-0126. Again, that's 347-989-0126. So let's stand up on my soapbox and start talking. Katie Barberi, how the heck are you? I am awesome, my dear. How are you? How is Palm Springs for you today? It's a beautiful day today, a little warmer today, but it's a beautiful day out, nice blue skies. Um, just been hanging around the pool a little bit and getting some work done on here. I had to do a little editing and some fun stuff, but enjoy. I got to go to an actual Palm Springs fancy house last night. It was fun. nice. What was the occasion? Do you tell? Well, I have a, a good friend of the show. His name is, is an author. His name is J.D. Horn, and he's been okay. on the show a few times. And uh, he lives here in Palm Springs and also San Francisco. So we, we talk on social from time to time, but we like most of my guests, we've never met. And he just happened, he sent me a message yesterday and said, hey, I'm actually in Palm Springs for 10 days. We should meet for dinner. I said, okay. So we met for dinner. We got to see each other in person, which was wonderful. And so he said, well, why don't you come up and check out my place here? And because I'm looking for a place next year um, to do the show. I couldn't arrange it this year because I just couldn't get it done fast enough. But I do the show Mondays right. and Tuesdays here. At, from It's at All Gay Men's Resort, um, beautiful resort here. But it's hard. I can't bring any women up. So I want to add a third show next year on Wednesdays where I can actually bring some great women and allies on like you and Ann Walker and so many other great people. So, um, well, I'm we are on, and on behalf of myself and all women that you plan to bring down there, all women and allies and whatever we are, I am very happy that you're taking those steps. <laughs> I, I am. I am. I really want you guys down here. And so I, that's one of my goals while I'm here is I'm looking around. So we were talking about this last night at dinner. And he said, well, he says, I have my house here. And I, like I said, I live here part time. So I might either not be here or my husband loves to host. You should come up and look at the house. And I said, okay, kind of skeptically, but ex- kind of excited a little bit, not knowing what yeah. to expect. Because we have a huge house, plenty of room. I said, okay, huge house, plenty of room. What can that be? So we go up and we start driving up into the hills and mountains of Palm Springs here. Katie Barberi, this is the most amazing house I've been in in a long time. It has oh, I am three... so sorry to hear that. 
Is that oh, oh, is that going God. to be is that going to be where I'm housed to do the show? I'm devastated. That will that. be it's when so you are housed. Terrifying. You are going to be housed in this location. <laughs> uh, we 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 basically signed the deal last night. It's like there's three guest rooms. Each guest room has its own little mini fridge, microwave area in it, drawing board, a little desk, and a huge bed, uh, and that its own bathroom. That sounds fantastic. That sounds fantastic. The master bedroom. Please tell Mr. Horn good luck getting me out. <laughs> it has a pool and a jacuzzi. It has a guest room out by the pool and jacuzzi, a whole guest little cottage out there. Wow. Um, wow. It's freaking amazing. This place is gorgeous. Wow. It has one of those huge living rooms with a grand piano in it and all the little uh, blinds that go, huge glass windows that go the entire length of the wall into the backyard with huge blinds that go up and down. And it's just one of the most gorgeous. The bathroom, you can literally fit my living room, kitchen, and first bedroom and bathroom back home in. Just the kitchen. Oh, my gosh. That's It has a huge island in it. It has a big outside counter. It has the built-ins. Then it has a place for a couch and a viewing area with a huge screen TV plus a dining room just in the kitchen area. And that's not the formal dining room in anything. It's just amazing. So it was a good time had that by is, all last night in Palm Springs. That is fantastic news. I love it. I love it. I love I it. I do, well, too. I got to give a big shout out to my buddy, J.D. Horn, author. He's going to be on the show, actually, Tuesday, because since he's in town, we didn't think he'd be in town for it. Since he's in town, he's going to come on the show awesome. Tuesday. And we were going to talk all about it more on Tuesday. But, yeah, pretty exciting stuff. How have you wow, been? What's going on over fantastic. there? Well, we're doing awesome. I did. Uh, I did get the information. Uh, if you want, if you want a producer to cast you, um, don't erect a billboard asking them to pay attention uh, to you. Probably not a good idea. Not at least for Tyler Perry, huh? We Tyler not for Tyler Perry. He doesn't feel like that's the way to go at all. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought that was an extraordinary uh, article and 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 just very interesting that Mr. Perry. Um, uh, took that stance and said that and, and, you know, is trying to help, you know, actors, struggling actors, it's tough, tough to get your hands on money. And, and, and they, you know, they're investing in, you've got actors investing in billboards to try to get producers attention. Um, It's not a good idea. And I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic of Tyler Perry to say, please don't do that. Please do not spend your money on trying to get, you know, back when Craig and I first started in the entertainment industry, um, there was not social media uh, at all. It was all about, uh, you know, your picture and resume and your agent and getting, you know, knocking down those doors that way. And everything was done via messenger. And you had to fight to get producers' attention that way. Now anybody can get their social media account and start hitting up these producers and these casting directors, depending on how focused you are you will knock down those walls. So there is no reason in the world to spend money on a billboard to try to get, you know, a producer to pay attention to you. And I thought it was really great of him to, um, to, to you know, to, 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 to say that's it's, it's not a good idea. Please do not spend your money that way. That is not the way to get attention. You know, creativeness uh, through social media, it's, it abounds. 
there are a million different right, ways right. that you can do this. You can open a YouTube channel. You can, you know, post three times a day on your Instagram. You can find something that you do that you're, and your Facebook and your Twitter that you're passionate about that doesn't even necessarily have to do with the industry and uh, create followers that way. There's a million different ways to get attention from the producers and the casting directors that you're looking to pay attention to you that you did not have that option before in this industry. Before the Internet, actors didn't have that option. So they have that option now, and it's free. All you need is your cell phone plan, which you need anyway, and you're good. Your smartphone, and you're good to go. You can do anything you want. So don't spend money on ridiculous – don't do skywriting. Don't do billboards. Don't do any of that crap, (laughs) and I thought it was great. That, that Tyler Perry said, this is not the way to go. Don't spend your money on this. It's hard enough for a struggling actor to get their hands on money to begin with. Right. No, exactly. And like I said, I don't even know where it was. I don't know if it – I think he's – is he based in Atlanta at least part of the time? I'm sure he's probably in L.A. and Atlanta or wherever he happens to be. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was – I was good of him to say that because uh, this woman just – I mean, it was really kind of – I mean, it was it's, – it's kind of ballsy and kind of inventive way to do it, but, like – he put this excuse me. Put this bill worth at attention, Mr. Perry. Uh, Raquel Bailey is your next leading lady, and I think gave some contact information in the picture. She's a good-looking girl, but it's like you said, that's not what's going to do attention to me. I'd rather you. Yeah. Have, I mean, if you're going to spend the money on a billboard, well, you know, hire Tyler a really Perry good photographer recently. and put together a really good sizzle reel and mail to him. I mean, he has a production company, for God's sake. Oh, no, absolutely. 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 And, you know, you can do anything through email. You can call a production company and say, what is your what is your uh, standard email address? I'd like to send you a submission. You know, a lot of that stuff. It's this is a it's it's a difficult industry. A lot of it is about reputation. It's about uh, not reputation. Well, yes, reputation. But representation was the word I was looking for. Uh, it's, it's a lot about representation. It's about who, you know, it's about who's representing you. It's about who can get the producers and the, and the casting director's ear. It's, it's about all of that. Right, right. But, but, you know, but there, but, but it's, I mean, and it's interesting because Tyler Perry, uh, not too long ago, uh, actually was the, what, one of the producers that became, well, we all did because it was on the news, but he became privy, uh, to an actor who had been on the Cosby show. Uh, and that actor was working, he was bagging groceries, and somebody uh, um, took a video of him, recognized him from the Cosby show, took a video of him bagging groceries, then posted it and made fun of him for, you know, making a living at whatever he could make a living at when he could we, he right. couldn't get a job as an actor. I think he was living in Jersey. It was, so it was going to be complicated for him to get a job as an actor. Anyway, I know you can commute to New York, but it's a tough business. And I remember that a couple of uh, articles came out about him and that they spoke about the fact that the Cosby show had been removed from all syndication uh, because of, of, of Mr. Cosby's uh, conviction. Right. And so right. that, you know, this gentleman would no longer get residuals, which is, you know, what I as an actress in the Latin market have been fighting for all of this time, uh, you know, residuals for, for uh, Latin, Latin American uh, television, Spanish-speaking television. Um, you know, but, right. but the Cosby show never had that struggle. The Cosby show had already residuals. And when Mr. Cosby was convicted, they took those residuals down. Uh, they, you know, they, they took those, uh, they took those reruns down and they took that syndication down. And so, uh, the gentleman that in question, whose name I can't remember, he was a, an actor on the Cosby show and he was bagging groceries cause he didn't, he couldn't get 
any funds, and I think part of it, and I, I think you know the people that wrote this article, I think it was Deadline, um, would agree that it was it was the residuals that this gentleman was no longer getting. He had to get some sort of a part time job, and they made fun of him um, on social media. The, whoever tweeted it and said, you know, how the mighty have fallen, or look where this guy ended up, or whatever. And Tyler Perry saw that and gave him a job on one of his show. I believe he gave him a show on the haves and haves not have nots. So he's looking out for actors. But what he's saying is, don't go and do something like that. You know, don't put your money into a billboard. Don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't paint your car. Don't do a series of things. You know, don't, don't, uh, don't walk up to my production office in a clown costume. Don't do any of that stuff to get my attention. Get my attention, you know, through social media. Get my attention through what you're doing with your life, with your career, uh, in order to better yourself, and and that's how I'm going to pay attention to you. So I thought that was really cool of him to do that, and I hope that actors yeah. do heed that warning. You know. No, I think I think it's great. I think they need to know that. I mean, stunts are stunts, and uh, and if you take all that money and put it into a nice acting reel and send it, your work's going to shine through a lot more than the stunts going to shine through. So, agree a hundred percent. I'm glad you you brought that up, and a big congratulations to Perry. He's a uh, just getting ready to do his 11th and final Medea movie. It's called Medea Family Funeral. He's saying right yep. now at the end of the franchise, just because he has nothing else he can really think of to write about it, because I love movies, that's a lot of stuff. He said if, if a great idea comes, we may do it in the future. But as far as he's concerned, this is probably the end of the franchise for Medea, and it's Medea's Family Funeral. So be on the lookout for that. Those are all pretty fun flicks, so. Good on him, yep. Oprah. And uh, he's always been known for passing it down. Him and Oprah have that same mindset, and they're both friends, and they kind of are about paying it forward and giving other people a they break. They are so about paying it forward. They're, po- they're about the positive energy. They're about positive energy, and they're about the energy of, of the force of positive energy in the universe and how it can better everyone's right. life. By the way, the gentleman who was bagging groceries, who was he didn't he didn't tape himself. Someone videotaped him and put it up online, and so it was inadvertent. It's a name that anyone would recognize. Right. That was uh, African American actor Jeffrey Owens. I mean, everybody's heard that. Oh name. wow! Okay. And that's yeah, I've heard and that. that's what yeah. he was doing. I think he played Bonet, Lisa Bonet's husband, or something, if I remember correctly. Absolutely. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but. I don't right. No, and he was he had found himself in that position and that is how and that is how uh he got Tyler Perry's attention, but he wasn't trying to get Tyler Perry's attention. He was trying to make some money. Right. So there you go. No, and, and we talked about when we were in town and everything, every actor out there is one gig away from having a great paying job and one gig away from it going away because they get canceled. It's nothing under their control. Or like you said, residuals get pulled. If something beyond your control, someone does a uh, a boneheaded stunt or just turns out to be not as nice a person as you thought and things have repercussions. And there's a lot of stuff an actor can't control. That's for darn sure. They give their body. No, there's a lot of stuff you can't control. And we make, here's the thing. I mean, actors, you know, we, we, we're human beings, you know, and, and it's everybody, do you know that I was watching uh, something the other day? It's, uh, for anyone who doesn't speak Spanish, it's not going to make any sense, but I'll be happy to translate. Um, it was, uh, it was, it, it's a show called Confesiones de Novela, and you can see it on, you can see it on YouTube. And it was uh, Confessions of Telenovela. 
telenovela confessions is what the translation would be. And it's different actors. And I remember being interviewed for this, but I remember it vaguely. It was, I was interviewed, I think in 2012 or 2013. And I sat there for like two hours and, and it was in, inside the Telemundo studios. And I did this interview and they brought up different subjects to me about different co-stars that I've had, different uh, rumors that have come out about actors. And, that, and then they broke it down. And they would have an episode about uh, onset romances, an episode about actors fighting, uh, you know, uh, back, uh, you know, uh, behind the scenes, an episode about uh, what have you, different things that were scandals in the in the telenovela world with 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 uh, with its celebrities. And I remembered, I remembered very very vaguely being asked about an incident with a, a, a co-star of mine named Tonio Mauri on a project that I had done called El Amor No Tiene Precio, Love Has No Price, and how he was concerned that I had gotten um, a little passionate, shall we say, about uh, him having decided to improvise on the set uh, in a scene that we were doing about uh, he, I played his wife and, and I catch him in the act with, with, his, with, his, love, with his lover, who was his secretary at the office, and he... He told the producer of this of this uh, of this show, Telenovela Confessions, that I had gotten very intense about uh, his having that I had gotten upset about him his having decided to improvise. And I just remember having answered and said, "Well, that's weird. I'm the first person that improvises on the set." But I just very casually said, "You know, I'm so sorry if I if I if I caused him trouble uh, that day, and I certainly didn't mean to do that." But at the time that I did the interview with him, with them, and I and I answered about this uh, about this rumor, I said, you know, we're human beings. We have bad days. As women, we have bad days, and it can be three or four days to a week, depending on how bad those days can be and how long that is. And uh, and and I, you know, I said, I'm so sorry that that happened. But when I saw, I never saw that episode. When I saw the reverse, he spoke about this like for 10 to 15 minutes about how I had gotten in very intense about improvisation and I had gotten, you know, and, and, uh, and how it had created the problem on the set and what have you. And this was years ago and it doesn't mean anything to me now, but, but at the time I, I, I didn't realize that his end of the interview was that long. You know, this is the type of stuff that can affect you in the industry. It's interesting. Sure, sure, sure. You know, we can all have a bad day. And it, it means nothing now. That's not what I'm saying. It happened years ago, and he said that, and then right, they went right. back no, to him. Course, and within yeah. the same body of the of the uh, of the interview, he said, "No, no, no. She's a wonderful actress. She's very professional, and I'm sure it was just that day or that week or whatever. So it doesn't mean anything. But it just goes to show you, you know, there are things that are out of actors' control, and sometimes it may be their mood. You know, it may be some sort of a of a reaction that they're having to whatever. We work with our emotions." And so depending on, you know, the kind of day that we're having, if we're in a particularly good mood, do we want to cry? Probably not, but we have to. That's our job. If we're in a particularly bad do mood, do we want to have a loving scene about how happy we are in our lives? Probably not, but that's our job. Right. You know, so it's, it's interesting. You know, it's interesting. And it's, uh, you know, actors have, have control and they don't of exactly what uh, – what happens to their lives and their careers from one day to the next, depending on, you know, how things go and how people react to you. It's literally a career where you're constantly being observed. That's it. That's, that's the actual reason for the career. 
is for you to be observed. Sure. So that's, you know, it can be a lot of pressure. It really can. I bet, yeah. I can, it, it's, it's obvious, yeah. yeah. You can just imagine that. It's, so what is a different here. industry, that's for sure. But so what is, else but is it going is on? What, that, anything else? Oh, go ahead. Finish up. Well, apparently, uh, apparently, our president tweeted that uh, Puerto Rico should love him because if it weren't for him, uh, they would not have um, had the latest. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if I. I I'm not completely uh, abreast of of what it is that I, I believe there was more money that was authorized or allotted for uh, emergency funds, and those include the funds for a hurricane, for instance, and that he stated that uh, Puerto Rico should love him because if it hadn't been for him, uh, those emerg- those additional emergency funds would not have been allotted to Puerto Rico. Is that, do I have it right? You have it right. I mean, it's just, it, he had to tweet that out because if he does not get his 10 lies a day, then he throws everyone else off. So that's one of his 10 lies a day. Um, right. Yeah, he, what happened was this this 19.1 billion dollar disaster bill has been trying to get through for the last uh, well it, it should have been done a long time ago but they've been having trouble the last four weeks Craig and I have been talking about this for four weeks that it keeps getting held up by one individual Republican at a time because they have they're trying to do pass it by what they call the unanimous consent where they can just say, everyone will say yes together, so I don't have to do individual votes on something, because it used to be disaster relief was the one thing, and infrastructure were, were, were the couple of the things that both parties could always agree on. They were always bipartisan. Hey, there's a disaster right. somewhere. We need to help these people. Let's all vote right. on this so we do it by unanimous consent. Well, since right. we've got anything, anything to do with FEMA and Congress, those types of government funds. Exactly. So this was supposed to be a no-brainer to get through, but we've had a couple of Republicans stop it because when you do unanimous consent, one person can say, no, I don't like this, and it stops the entire bill from happening. It's not a vote like a, wow. a majority rules vote. So it's been happening for three weeks. They couldn't get this through, and one of the reasons behind it is because um, Trump didn't want to, as much money going to Puerto Rico, like you said. And other people had a couple other little things on it. They just they wanted more money to Texas and everything. But it's it's been fought by it's been stopped for the last three or four weeks now by one solitary person, a different person each week. So they finally got this passed yesterday. Trump signs it, making one of his flourish signings like he always does. He happened to be in Air Force One between his D Day talk, which was actually a pretty good talk on D Day if you wanna you got to give him some due when he does something right. But uh, he did a nice D-Day talk in France, and then he was going, getting ready to go to Ireland and uh, went uh, on – while he was on Air Force One, he did his big flourish of signing his huge name uh, onto the bill, mm-hmm. passing it, and saying mm-hmm. what he said. He said um, even though he was the one pulling up because he didn't want to give any money to – um, Puerto Rico more than the little that they have. Then he goes and says, "You should love your President Trump." Claiming without me, they would have never. They would have been shut out without any money at all. Exactly like you said. So it's like, okay, that's your, that's one of your love and lies for the day. It's just ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. It really does because that's. I, I, I just, I just question. Um, I just. I, I, it's, 
I, I, you know, I know people in, in, I, I know people in this world who have this kind of very, um, they're impressed by people who are quote unquote tough in their words and who are, who, who state who's boss and who kind of, you know, right. lord that over people because they think that's necessary. And I believe it, you know, it, uh, it, it has to do with the kind of lay down the law and bottom line and, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick and all that stuff. And sure. I just, I question, I question what, I think that it's, I think it's a dying art is what I think that I'm trying to say. I think that it's a, I, ho- I hope that it's a dying mentality going away kind of with the past that are running off, that are leaving us, that are leaving the planet. And even to, to those of us who believe respectfully that, you know, uh, but taking a respectful point of view with everyone is, is key. It's key to communication, and it's key to uh, it's key to relationship. Um, I, I think that you know there's always this this point of view from these types of people, and it's you know just show them who's boss, and it's kind of you know I, I'm, one of my favorite films was The Bronx Tale, and uh, I, I just remember that the young man asked Chas Palminteri's character, he said, "Would you rather be loved or would you rather be feared?" And Chaz Palminteri's character said, I would rather be feared because that's how you get people to do what you want them to do. Well, yes, except he was a gangster. He was a member of the mafia. You know what I mean? That's why he felt that way, is that you have to scare people into doing what you want them to do. How about listening to why they don't want to do what you want them to do? And it was a character in a freaking movie, too. I mean, let's talk real world here. We don't need any more bullies. Well, no, I mean, I, well, no, but that would, that would be on me to, to bring that up as, as something viable. And, and I, I, I apologize <laughs> for that. But what I mean is, there you go. <laughs> character that That's reflects, good. that, you know, that reflects the point of view of, of, of so many of, of, you know, these people that would rather be feared than loved. That would rather be feared even than respected, and it and it, it just it's it, it's to do with ego, it's to do with control, it's to do with uh, a tremendous amount of insecurity. Actually, you know, how about listening to the other person's right. point know, of exactly. view for a minute? How about sure. listening to the other no, person's I, I point of view and opening and up a dialogue? We have a president where that's not always available to do that. Well, Katie Barbaria, we're yeah. going to take a quick five-minute break here. We're almost at the halfway point. Um, I have uh, a special guest stopping by the home here, so we're going to take a quick uh, bathroom break and drink break here, play a little bit of Adrian Christian, uh, who will be on the show Tuesday. So we're awesome. going to be back in just a couple seconds, okay? Keep us one second, okay, guys. Okay, my dear. All-consuming fire. Oh. Okay. You there? Never worry. Yep, I'm here. We're going off right now. Okay. Um. Sometimes help comes where you least expect. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. I'll see what I can do.
All right, we are back. That is Adrian Christian. We have our special guest hostess today, Miss Katie Barberi, filling in for Craig Hurley. It's <laughs> going to be uh, arriving momentarily. But, yeah, I'm glad we were able to talk about that because I'm glad they finally passed that bill. You'd think humanitarian aid would be one thing we wouldn't have trouble passing. And yeah. Like I said, um, my cousin lives there, and it was tough going for her for the first four weeks. Um, we had to mail her a generator that we bought here at uh, Sam's Club and mailed her down to her. And actually, they were they were able to. That took an extra five days to get it to her. She had to go down to. Yep. She had to go through power lines, everything else that was down. So, and it was it's been rough ever since. There's a lot of it being built back up, but a lot of it is still not. So they need this money well, you know, to help them go here's through. Something that I- Right. No, here's something that I that I can I can tell you. And now is your cousin an American that's just uh living uh, down in Puerto yeah, she's Rico? American. She was in the Navy. She was in the Navy okay. and stationed in Puerto Rico and met her husband who was also stationed there who's from Puerto Rico and they married okay. and staying living down there. So yeah. Okay. So the thing with Puerto Rico that a lot of people don't know is first of all it's a US territory. So it is a part of the United exactly. States which I know confuses people. It confuses a lot of rednecks out there because, you know, they don't speak English. <laughs> a lot of them do. A lot, a lot of Puerto Ricans speak English because it is a U.S. territory, but some don't. I mean, the, 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 the first language in Puerto Rico is Mexico. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. The first language for Puerto Rico is Spanish, just like in Mexico and in South America and in Spain. So that can get confusing, right. but it's a U.S. territory. And then the other thing that I can tell you from personal experience, you know, I lived in Mexico for nine years as an adult. I lived there when I was a child. I was born there. Uh, I lived there as an adult shooting telenovelas with Televisa. And uh, I lived in, uh, and I lived in Colombia and I lived in Venezuela and I lived in different parts of uh, South America while working on telenovelas, whatever, wherever the, the location shoot was, that's where I would be. And uh, I can tell you that, uh, we as Latinos are a, little, are a little bit more tolerant about not having electricity, about not having running water, about not having a series of things, because it happens in third world countries all over the world, not just in South America. You know, uh, uh, sure. the, 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 the infrastructure is not what it should be. So perhaps, and I've said this on several occasions, Puerto Ricans needed to be louder Puerto Ricans needed to be more annoyed. You take away uh, an American's running water in most cases in this country for more than 20 minutes, and they're having a conniption fit. But, you know, I, I remember that there were parts of Mexico City that I was living in, very nice parts of Mexico City. But I remember at one point I was living in a lovely part of Satellite, which was actually in Mexico City but in the outskirts in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in, in the state of Mexico, in, in Estado de Mexico. And uh, the, the water would, would go somewhere around 3 o'clock, and then you'd have to wait until 4 or 4.30 almost every day for like two months. And they were working on something to do with the pipes. I don't know. That's not my lane in this life. All I knew was that right. I could count on not having water from, uh, you know, X hour to X hour, and that was the way it was for like two months. And as irritated as we got, I know that if I'd have been in the United States, it would, number one, it would have been fixed sooner, and number two, uh, people would have been a lot louder and a lot more irritated. So I question right. people's patience in Puerto Rico as well, having been a Well, luckily we had that one mayor of San Juan, that woman mayor that got into it with oh, she was 45 awesome. a little bit. I, but 
Yeah, she was awesome. I but even her. I would imagine even she at first, right after Maria, right after Hurricane Maria hit, I would imagine even she at first was a little more patient. She was a little more understanding. She was a little more um, uh, expectant but hopeful that things would be cleared up sooner than they were. And people, you know, people in, in Latin American countries, they resolve. Whatever it is that's that's happening, they find a way to resolve it. And Puerto Rico is an American right. is is an American U.S. territory, but still, it's it's a it's of Latin American origin, and uh, right. or it has people a Latin of Latin American to origin, yeah. origin. And so, a lot of people just got generators. You know, as soon as they were able to get generators, the fact that they didn't have electricity, they're like, well, oh well, you know. And that's just that's just the way that that they are the way that we are, because I'm a very proud Mexican. I'm very proud of that part of my heritage. And I think it's, I think it's very cool on one end, but on another end, you know, that, that kind of um, patience and understanding sometimes is not received with the, how shall I say this, nobility that it should be received with. Right. You know what I mean? Good word, yeah. So this is a U.S. territory. Sure. If this had been going on in Ohio, if this had been going on in California, if this had been going on in New York, the amount of time that it did, people would be freaking out. Just absolutely. No, you're right. Taking to the streets and destroying things. And, you know, Puerto Ricans, they, they have a noble soul. So you have to be thankful for that. And you have to be thankful also for uh, Puerto Rican uh, 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 artist who stepped in, who stepped in Juan, Ma- Juan Manuel Miranda and uh, and uh, I'm sorry is it Juan Manuel Miranda am I wrong about that Lin Manuel I think so I'm not 100 percent sure no I no no, no. It's, I got it wrong it's Lin Manuel Miranda I said Juan Manuel and I was wrong Lin Manuel Miranda oh yeah Lin Manuel is the actor okay yeah from Hamilton yeah okay. because yeah, he's he a genius and uh, and he deserves yeah. all my respect. And, uh, uh, you know, many, many different artists, uh, Ricky Martin, uh, quite a few Puerto Rican artists that stepped in and provided aid to this country when, you know, our government, it's absolutely their responsibility. It is a part of the United States, folks, and they're just very sweet people and very noble people and very kind and patient people. But they put up with a lot of crap that, you know, that, that we as, as Americans here on the mainland would not have put up with. You know what I mean? Right, right. No, exactly. You're you're 100% right on that. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad that's finally getting over there. Um, Let's move on to a a little sweeter story. Um, Of course, we had a couple months back, we had that huge poppy bloom in California that was beautiful from the sky, I guess. You could see this poppy bloom from the sky, but it was uh, made haddock by all these. I'm sorry, you, you cut out for just one second, my dear. You can see this what? They had, do you remember all the, the, the big poppy bloom they had up in the hills here in Southern California? Oh, the You could see from the radar and, and how gorgeous that was. It, it, yes. it happens every once in a while. You have that gorgeous poppy yes. bloom. And, of course, all the picture takers come and lay in them and ruin everything, all the Instagrammers and stuff like that. But they had another bloom that was caught on radar. Because I guess it's, it's called Nexrad radar. It's what the government uses. And it's so sensitive, it can pick up birds and bugs and bats and other things. And it's kind of cute. Meteorologists call them angels. Well, they had a little swarm of angels happen the other night. Uh, The Weather Service told the Los Angeles Times 
that a ladybug bloom appeared to be 80 miles by 80 miles square flying at 5,000 to 9,000 feet in the air showed up as this huge blob on the radar moving over not too far from me here in southwestern San Bernardino County. They saw jillions of ladybugs so big that it made a big blob on the radar. How wild is that? That is, that's extraordinary. It's sweet. I'm thrilled. I adore them. I have always adored them. I have felt guilty my entire life because I would trap them. I would trap uh, ladybugs and I would trap um, uh, lightning bugs. I never did anything to them. I, I don't understand those people that say, oh, yeah, I would rip the wings off of them and stuff. I'm like, you guys need therapy. But I, you know, but, right, but right. I, I never did anything to them. But I wanted to possess them so I would trap them, and I've always felt badly about that. I was six or five or seven or whatever it was. But they, you know, they're some of they're they're some of my favorite creatures on the planet. I just think they're adorable. Now let me ask: um, environmentally, one is this normal, and two is it like okay? Did it create any sort of imbalance anywhere? Um, not that I, I read. I kind of I briefly skimmed the article. There was no danger to anyone there. It's just what it would kind of freak me out if I was monitoring the radar station. I saw this huge blob of 80 miles wide of radio. how many ladybugs are like how small that you have 80 miles of it showing up on radar there had to 80 be miles on patrillions 80 miles okay so craig and is, there five- craig is commenting off and craig is commenting off of off of uh off of the grid here that that's a normal migration 80 miles of ladybugs i've never heard of such a thing that will create Quite a blob on the radar, absolutely. But I think it's lovely as long as it, as long I'm as saying they were at five thousand to nine thousand feet. I get a headache if I go too far up in the mountains. How are they up there at five thousand to nine thousand feet? That was just yeah, crazy. I thought that was a fun little story. That Aww, was extraordinary. Well, that's, so it, that's sweet. I missed that's it though. Sweet. It was too high. It happened right over by me in San Bernardino on 8 p.m. But I thought that'd be a fun little story to talk about for sure. Yeah, I forgot. No, you but didn't see it. There's what? no way you saw it. You would only you would only see it on a radar. 80? That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Uh, 80 miles. I don't know. I just didn't think that was possible. That's a little bit of crazy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What I else? Do we have though. any other cute stories? Um, oh, did you cute hear about story. that tourist that cracked that safe? Did I hear about, sorry? A tourist that cracked that safe over in Canada? No. A tourist cracked the safe. This is pretty wild stuff. They, um, there's a little small town in Alberta, Canada. It's called Vermilion. And they have what's called the Vermilion Heritage Museum there. And what happened is the, the Heritage Museum kind of took over this building and they found this old, old safe in the building. And they tried every way you could get in the safe. They tried to call the manufacturer. They had locksmiths come out. They tried every way in their brother to see what was in the safe that was just left over in this building that they turned into the Vermilion Heritage Museum up in Alberta, Canada. So nothing they've been tried for years. It's been there for 40 years now. They found the safe for 40 years ago in this place that they took over. So they they have it now as part of the exhibit in this thing where it's, I have this old safe. And just for a fun little kind of tourist thing and to make it a, a, a noteworthy item to get people to come in, they let tourists try to crack the safe. 
And uh, they've been doing this now for 10 or 20 years where you can try to crack the safe or anything. And it's never done. Nobody knows. I mean, you're going to you have one shot to crack the safe, right? Wow. So this, yeah, it's just kind of a fun little story. So, so this guy comes up. Um, his last name's Mills. I don't have his first name. But this guy comes up. He's there on vacation. The, the museum is actually closed. But he heard about this safe, and, and he, he really wanted to go there. And so there's a caretaker place that, well, you can come in and look real quick and take a shot at the safe. What the heck? So nobody's around. Like, there's no normal people around. This guy goes there, and uh, he looks at the safe, and it's a 60-number spinning wheel. It has 60 numbers on the spinning wheel. And he looks it over, and he says, ah, what the heck? Let's try this. And most safes, you do, like, Four turns to the right, three turns to the left, two turns left, something like that. They always have kind of the same kind of thing. So he right. tried to spin this and that. Well, uh, 60 numbers, let's go 20, 40, 60. And did 20, 40, 60 on his first try, he opened this damn safe, Katie. On his very first try, he opened the safe oh. and it hasn't been open in 40 years. Okay, so the $40,000 question, and I hope it was something like that at least, is what was in it? A uh, little disappointing. <laughs> they found Uh-oh. they didn't find any money in it. They found some old letters dating back to um, 40 years ago, to, which was really only the 70s when you think about it. They found some old bank statements yeah, in that's there. Brutal. They found a couple of old photographs. Nothing really super cool. It was fun just to find in it. But this guy, I mean, like I said, no visitors around, no other one around. This guy goes in by a nice caretaker and cracks this damn safe that's been closed for 40 years. Unbelievable. For for at least a decade, that safe has been, no one's been able to crack it. That's extraordinary. Well, you know, it it harkens back to the. Oh, for four (laughs) decades. Wow. Um, It harkens back to the famous Geraldo Rivera debacle. Uh, with with the safe, right, I, right. I'm trying to remember which uh, which gangster, Al Capone's safe. That was Al Capone's vault. Remember Al Capone's vault. vault? He made a big deal over. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 I think they I interrupted know. live programming and the whole thing to get him. And there was nothing. There were like a couple of bricks and a jacket or something like that. That's funny. Right. That's funny. Hey, I want to talk to you about uh, Commissioner O'Neill's comments about uh, Stonewallers. Stonewallers. Uh, the Stonewallers uh, uh, riots and yeah, the Stonewall riots, they're celebrating 50 years of pride this year. Um, the Stonewall riots, riots happened back in 1969. It's what they call the unofficial start of the LGBT rights movement back in New York City at the Stonewall. Um, Stonewall these, these guys were getting right. These guys were getting raided all the time back then. It was not a good thing to be gay. You were getting uh, the, the places where people congregated were getting raided all the time. Um, officers would be yep. just hitting people their billy clubs. It was a bad time. Yep. Anyway, what the commission? This is the commissioner of New York. Who is this? What what happened? The commissioner of New York, uh, 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 Chief O'Neill, uh, stated that uh, he apologized to the LGBT community right now during Pride Month. And for the for the police for the for the New York City Police Department's participation, negative participation in the Stonewall riots. In other words, I guess really? how they would imagine. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know what uh, what injuries were sustained and 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 worse, what what deaths might have ensued. 
I don't have that information at all. But I know that uh, the, the commissioner apologized uh, to the LGBTQ community and, uh, and spoke of, of, you know, the, the, the police's, um, the New York City police's negative uh, influence on the Stonewall, Stonewall riots and, and how things should have been handled differently and sort of setting an example of what should be happening now, of the greater understanding of the LGBT right. community that should happen now and how nothing like this should ever should ever occur. Occur. I don't know right. if the Stonewall riots, uh, did, they, did they begin because of a protest? I'm not sure about that. I'm not well, sure how it Well, what happened was, yeah. It, it, it's kind of, and it's, and it's had a little controversy in its starting um, on exactly, because there was a Stonewall movie that was kind of, I forget who the young star was, but this young, young white guy starred in it. Um, and it brought a lot of controversy because actually the people at the Stonewall back in the day when this happened in 1969, it was a lot of, um, back then they were called transsexuals or trannies. Of course, that we call transgender, and that's a bad word in our LGBT community. But it was a lot of people of color, a lot of transgenders and everything that they had been raided for like the last time. They hit their last gay nerve, basically. And so they decided to fight back. And they took this out to the streets, took on the police department, and uh, had a little thing. that They all got hauled away to jail eventually. Nobody got killed. People didn't get hurt. Uh, and so that started the next day. Um, people from all over the city, LGBT from all over the city, came there, and there was like seven days straight of protests against the police. So it, it's really wow. kind of marked as the beginning of the LGBT movement. So this year, New York is basically exploding in rainbow glitter um, because they have the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riot uh, happening right now. So they're going to be actually doing two monuments to two of the uh, transgender women back at the time that helped start the riots. They're giving them two uh, monuments at the Stonewall. Their Stonewall's already been made a national historic monument, but they're going to be doing two treasures. So they have the 50 year of the Stonewall Riots being commemorated. New York City Pride is one of the biggest. June is Pride Month because this happened in June 1969. And that's why most um, LGBT prides are done in June. And June is known as Pride Month throughout the country because of the Interesting. Riots. I didn't know I that. Know. I didn't know that it could directly be connected to the Stonewall riots. That's, that's good information to have. Um, well, right. according yeah, to the that notes was- that I read, uh, uh, the commissioner, Commissioner O'Neill, officially apologized to the LGBT community and spoke of how this should never happen again and how, you know, there needs to be a greater understanding, uh, especially from the police department to handle things, uh, I guess, uh, not as not as uh, not as not as not as violently as they were handled. Uh, so, you know, right. we, can, we can only we can only be grateful for whatever it is that that is accomplished on a day to day basis. It's just baby steps. And I would say that with every with every cause that we're dealing with, it's baby steps. It's it's gently prodding forward uh, in this life and understanding. You know, I'm I'm watching Craig and I are watching Game of Thrones right now, and I know it's a fiction, it's a fictional land of seven kingdoms and and seven gods and what have you, but it it speaks of the it speaks of the um, the audacity and the cruelty and the and the uh, savagery that that was uh, uh, human nature and how. People took law into their own hands, and and how how much bloodshed and pain that there always was uh, to endure 
by humanity and how, how life just was so not fair and there was such a lack of civility. And the people in control and the people who were the most comfortable oftentimes were the were, were you know were the most the most violent and the most cruel and the most immoral. And you know, thank God we're we're getting somewhere on this planet and it's it's slow but it's short. And uh and so, you know, we just wanna see baby steps every day of greater understanding uh in humanity of, of, of different people's uh choices and their needs and, and who they, they deserve to be able to be. And we all deserve freedom on this planet. And so, again, you know, that, that sort of dictatorial attitude of I'm the boss and I don't have to listen to you and you're going to do things my way. No, we all have to listen. We all have to listen. We all right, have to right. listen to those we don't agree with. We all have to listen to their point of view. We've got to listen. We've got to listen to other people's needs, not just our own. Other people's point of view, not just our own. Other people's pain, not just our own. We all have to listen. Right, and it's and it's amazing that that they're apologizing, and that is always very welcome. Uh, we need to do it. We talk about it with slavery and things like that. It's great to actually hear it coming out of people's mouths. But then you have the other side of it, where if it didn't happen, would we have the LGBT fight for rights we've had the last fifty years? So you almost got to be a little bit in a weird way grateful that it happened as well. Um, that that who knows that we could still be in in the back alleys and and. Um, not being able to express ourselves as community. So I'm so happy to hear that they did that. We have to, we can't take note of pride, and I got a, and I, a big shout out to Pride Month here, but we also have to realize that this is also today marks the 75th anniversary of D-Day, the invasion of Normandy, where our country lost so many soldiers. Um, but they're doing a, a big 75 uh, commemorate, commemorate um Speaking of it, there was the queen was there, our president was there, who, like I said, actually spoke eloquently about it, which I have to give him credit where credit's due on that. He did some stupid thing afterwards, but that's his modus operandi. They did a great I can jump in on D-Day. D-Day. Oh, jump in. That's a good place place for me to jump in on is on D-Day. And, like, what do we have, three minutes left? you got five minutes to riff, dude. Five minutes. Give us some some perspective. uh, I actually know Scott Grimes, obviously. We've talked about him before. And I know Nolan Hemmings. Um, Both of these actors were uh, guys that were on uh, the HBO show Band of Brothers. And um, uh, they are currently – uh, I, I actually, I don't know where Scott is, um, but I think he's over there as well. Um, and Nolan and the entire cast of Band of Brothers is, has been all weekend, um, or at least last week, sorry. Uh, it, it, every day is a weekend to me now, um, but uh, at least we've all been in in England and in um, in in Normandy and signing autographs and doing all this like uh, volunteer work um, for, for all. Yeah. For, for that. So um, yeah. Why? What did 45 say about D-Day? I I didn't hear it. I just heard he acted a good speech. So I got, like I said, I got to give credit where credit's due. There there was actually Um, a good speech. It was actually a good speech. It was delivered. Well, you know, sometimes how we kind of, Seems totally out of his element when he delivers a speech, but I guess supposedly he did a very oh, good speech. Oh, because he stuck he um, stuck to the teleprompter 
he stuck to the teleprompter this time. Whatever, but he, he got goes some, off. He got he goes off the teleprompter and, and, and he starts saying so. shit. Yeah, well, give, I mean, like I said, he did stupid stuff afterwards. You're on for five minutes and you got shit out already. You were so good yesterday. You nice. Under five I, I'm the first person to swear <laughs> on the show. With five minutes left. Not even five <laughs> minutes left. Two minutes left. Oh, that is so well, funny. I, only, only our Craig. Katie's really. like, on but Yeah, he did, some, he did some stupid shit afterwards, um, which he always does. But, um, but he, I guess he did do a good speech. So we want to do that. Uh, they they brought a lot of people. A lot of these people that fought in Nidor, there's still a couple alive. They're like almost 100 years old, and they brought them back Correct. to the 75th um, anniversary. And they're all like, "This is really something we kind of wanted to forget." I'm not really sure if I'm happy being back here, but it's a big deal, and you guys are all want us to be here, so we'll be here. But a couple of them weren't really happy to go back, to be honest with you. Um, right. I think there was like. Uh, because they were young back then. We're talking 16 to 18-year-olds going in there. And so now they're like 100 or something. So they have – don't see if it has a well, number. Well, they'd be close to 100. Right. But uh, they were treated by rock stars, by the tourists and locals. They were treated well while they were there. So that's good. We, we paid them good. the tribute that they richly deserved. So that's very nice. I like that. So, yeah, D-Day is cool. happening today. Um, thanks to the President for a good speech, and uh, we want to commemorate all those returning World War II veterans from there. On a sadder note, we'll finish up here before we go, and then we'll uh, talk for a second. We did have a military vehicle accident today at the West Point Academy. Um, it yeah, they slipped killed over, one. Um, killed one, injured 20 cadets, two soldiers. Um, they were part of the senior class of 2020. So we hope for them to all to get well, and our thoughts are with the family members of the cadet that was killed. Uh, first accident at West Point in quite a long time. So I just want to commemorate that on, on this D-Day as well, and thanks for people that want to serve like that. A lot of us have been lucky where we do, didn't have to serve. These people were drafted back in World War II. Some, of course, volunteered, right. but now we're at the all-volunteer army. And so the people that served today really deserve a tip of the hat for putting their life online, especially under our current leader of the free world here who's in charge of the military. So a big way to go guy to them. They have more courage than I do, that's for sure. Well, Craig Hurley, we uh, we understand that yes, you, are, you are otherwise committed today. We have about a minute and a half here. Anything that we have to talk about before we leave? Um, I don't know. Uh, you guys were talking about the weather a little bit with the ladybugs and and that. Um, kind of, yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Well, and and the flooding in in Puerto Rico and how we should have taken care of them during Maria, which was two years ago, guys. Uh, but uh, we currently have flooding all over the United States. We have people that are floating around in their cars getting saved by firemen. We have houses that are completely sandbagged like they're fortresses so that the houses aren't washing away. Um, Yeah, there's some major, major flooding going on all around the United States. So I'm wondering, you know, is FEMA going to react the same way that they reacted to Puerto Rico? You know, are those funds available for the people in the mainland? Because the entire Mississippi Valley, we have every state from Minnesota to Wisconsin to Iowa to Illinois to Missouri to Indiana to Arkansas. Dude, Arkansas has had like two or three levee breaks 
there's so much water. Wow. So towns, towns are getting completely inundated with water. And uh, we really need to do something about this. You know, I, like I've said in the past, All right. the we're on a hard engineers stop. We really will continue this tomorrow, guys, on our last day of the week. Hard stop. To join us all month long at our special time, Wednesday through Friday at 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock Eastern time. Craig, thank you for standing on my soapbox. Katie Barberi, thank you for filling in and standing on my soapbox. We have a special all-new – thank you. Uh, you. All-new uh, Left of Straight show on a special day today uh, out of Columbus, Ohio. So we're stay tuned for that in about 30 seconds. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Peace. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Arm und Bach. Hier 
bar The fiddler Johnny is the star He has wild blood in his pale skin Yes he does And when he plays his violin And when he aims his bow Every night It's his cat-like gaze That flusters the girl So completely Their little white hands Crawl through his beautiful hair The women Form a choir around him Gaze ecstatically upon him boys and girls we are back i am so excited to have my next guest on as you know i have a great partnership with the evolution theater company in columbus ohio central ohio's only professional lgbtqia theater company the alphabet for sure i got to go to their season opening party a couple weeks back and got to see an amazing video preview of my next guest's amazing show morphian cabaret It's coming one night only right before Pride. It's actually kicking off the Pride season in Columbus. He's been described as the David Bowie of Cabaret, the male Marlena Dietrich, and slyly subversive, which I happen to love. This particular show has traveled around the world and awarded him the Best Cabaret Performer nomination, and he was given a Special Achievement Award as Outstanding Performer alongside some other people you might have heard of, like Liza Minnelli, just to name drop a bit. 
I'm excited to have him on the show. Please welcome for the very first time, Mr. Kim David Smith. Kim, how you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. I am excited to have you. Thank you for calling from beautiful downtown New York. How's everything <laughs> going out there today? Oh, it's fabulous. I mean, it's actually been super gray lately. Um, gray, stormy, and a little bit grim. That's when things like Kylie Minogue come in handy. There you go. I like it. Kylie's always a go-to for the gray kind of days. I yeah, like she sure that. Is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk to you. We'll talk a little bit about this great show you're bringing to kick off Columbus Pride which is just a huge O pride. If you guys have not been to Columbus Pride, you need to get your little happy butts down there. But let's start with a little background since it's your first time. Uh, I, I detect a little bit of accent, so I, and I know that you're not from the States. Give me a little bit about where you grew up. Tell me what kind of a kid were you, and what did you first want to be when you grew up? Uh, well, it is only a little bit of an accent at this point. I've been here for 12 <laughs> years now, and so my accent's a little bit of a bit of a mishmash. Um, but it is mostly, I believe, Australian. Um, I grew up in a little country town outside of Melbourne, Australia. Uh, it's called Taralgon. It's an Aboriginal word, means little creek, and sure thing, there's a little creek running through it. So <laughs> that's what it says on the tin. Um, I grew up. Super gay in a, fortunately for me, very loving, kind, generous environment in a small country town. Like, I feel so lucky um, to have been born to my mother. Um, And as it turns out, um, me and um, all my siblings are gay, actually. Um, I'm the eldest. And then all of a sudden, my sister Susie is like, yep, I'm a lesbian. And then little Jacqueline, she's like, woo, me too. Um, and we just like, so there's no grandchildren and my mom does not care about that. Like my mother-in-law is like, give me a grandchild. And my mom's like, it's, it's fine. (laughs) We didn't need one. Um, yeah, she has a really high maintenance new dog, so she's fine. She doesn't need a grandchild. Um, (laughs) but yeah, and actually my middle sister, um, Susie just came out about two months ago as a man. So um, my now brother is trans and is straight again, which is entirely the only weird thing about the whole arrangement. <laughs> it's like, we're a super gay family. You can't be straight. Um, no straights allowed. Um, but yeah, so we're all really excited and super proud of um, of Q, which is um, Susan's new name. Um, and the only, really the only like mortifying thing for me is that I can't like outdo that. Like <laughs> I was always, I've always <laughs> been the shining jewel of the family because, you know, I like, right. I get attention for like money, um, and just like the nature <laughs> of like, of my life. And it's like, oh, I've been outdone at last. So good for him. That is hilarious. I love yeah. that. Well, you are definitely going to the right place. I can't even pronounce the alphabet in evolution. LGBTQQIA, P. I get lost in mm-hmm. all of the new things we have coming out now, and your family has them about all covered. I love oh, that. yeah. That's awesome. Yep, and country Australia. You said you were out and proud early age, but did you always want to be a performer? or What were you like growing up, and what kind of a, what was your first aspiration of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, I don't think it even would have mattered if I didn't want to be a performer. It just comes so horribly naturally to me that it's just just no other option. Um, I started just, like, dancing around as, like, a little kid. Like, high kicks were my specialty, um, followed by cartwheels. Um, 
And I just like, I don't know, I just started studying music and acting and performing. Um, just did lots of like uh, regional theater productions of things like like the Mikado, which <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> she, she, she erased this one. Um, and like Oliver and Annie and all of like the staples and stuff. And and then I like I got a BA in music theater as you do. It was very expensive. Thanks for asking. Um, and I don't tap anymore. I never really liked to tap, but I was good at it. Um, and then I moved here, and I just do my my glorious, gorgeous cabaret nonsense. That's my whole jam. I love me a good cabaret act. I think that's fantastic. Now, you said you were uh, you were coming out of the womb here. When did you actually come out to yourself, or who was the first person you actually told, or did you not have to at all? Well, my mom remembers me saying, hey, mom, I think I'm gay when I was like 10 or something, but I have no memory of it. And um, which doesn't make it not true. Um, good. She, you know, she has her truth and I have mine. Um, but like, I don't know, I just sort of marched through my childhood being pretty faggy. So it wasn't a surprise. And I don't think anyone felt like they had to ask. So that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And then uh, what brought you to New York? Were you just too fabulous to stay in Australia? Did you have to go or what brought you to New York? Um, yes, no, I was forced to leave. Um, no, they, they, um, no, I go back every now and then and, and they like it. We're actually, we're going to be in Sydney, um, in July with Kim Sings Kylie, my intimately fabulous Kylie Minogue, uh, program. Um, so I do go back every now and then. Um, but yeah, no, I came over in, when was it? Oh, May 1st, 07. It was my 12 year anniversary very recently. Um, yeah, I just, there's, there's so much more living here in New York. There's so much more opportunity to do what I do. Like I perform at Joe's Pub a bunch. I perform at Cafe Zabarski at the Neuer Gallery, which is excruciatingly fancy and expensive. Um, so that's, you know, that's what pays the rent. Um, but yeah, I just like there, we don't, we don't really have like a, like a German Austrian, like art institution in, in Australia as we do here and, and things that I can really anchor what I do because, um, I, mean, I don't know what the listeners know and who's Googling what, but I mostly I do a lot of German Weimar cabaret. So a lot of uh, Marlene Dietrich music from the 20s and 30s, uh, Kurt Weill, Friedrich Hollander. So you're thinking like Thrippening Opera. I think the, the musical cabaret, which is pretty much where I got my inspiration for like investigating the music of that period, like the actual, like and I love, I've done a production of, cabaret with um hunter foster actually he directed it that was really cool that was like i don't know two oh, years wow ago, like that. yeah it was awesome it was so much fun i was the mc i was angling for sally balls but they cast me as the mc anyway um <laughs> um so like and like as a kid like uh, i love yeah. and sister sutton they're amazing yeah no just really he's he's such an awesome spirit and just a very very generous human um with his time and energy um so, um, yeah, but just, like, as a teenager, I would rewatch like, Liza Minnelli performing Mine Hair, like, over and over and over again. I was like, that's totally me. And, like, the other part of me is like, well, I thought you were Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Returns. But, you know, whatever. I'm both. I can be both. <laughs> I can be anything you want. Um, I but, yeah, I just started, like, researching the music. And that's, like, really got me into, like, what was actually happening um, in that time and not just the fictionalized account, which is just as fun. Um but yeah, the the real music of the period is so 
bitey and sexy and fun, and I just I love doing it. So I sing all of that stuff in French and German and sometimes Japanese. Never quite Italian. I was going to do the Axis of Evil from World War II, but I I can't really get my mouth around Italian words. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> now, have you been able to bring the act to any of those places? I mean, you travel all over the world. Have you been to Austria and Germany and be able to perform this? Well, I like to think that they've got their own people doing it. Like, surely they do, right? Like, they don't need me to do it. Yeah, but you're much more fabulous than they would be, I would think. Well, they, they I'm pretty. They doing their job. <laughs> exactly. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, you're bringing the Morphium Cabaret to Columbus. Um, yes. And talk about it, because like you said, it has all these, these old standards here, but you also combine it with everything from Kylie again to the Supremes to Madonna. What can they expect when they come to the show at the Evolution? Well, I, I rarely, if ever, also actually never get on stage without somehow referencing Kylie Minogue, uh, she's my Jesus, my spirit animal, my Patronus. Uh, so in Morphium Cabaret, for example, um, we do uh, a German treatment of one of her songs in German. It's it's really fabulous and fun. And we like to evoke a bit of Madonna and the Supremes and a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, it's a, it's a whole lot of fun. So it really, it's for me, it's about the sort of um, musical mishmash that we all carry around with us. We're all inspired by a lot of different kinds of music. Um, and my task with this show has been to just like weave uh, a web with all of that Um yeah, and it's yeah. just it's a it's a whole bunch of fun, and it's like it's at times a little scary and a little weird. Well, it's a lot weird, but it's um it's also super sexy and really silly. I don't take I take music making seriously, but I do not take myself seriously. So it's um it's actually a really fun time. I love it, and it's also like it has a character driven story. It's kind of like a quest by the Johnny character, right? Or is or that's who you're uh, mooring after? Or how does how does that fit in? Well, it, there are a surprising number of songs that either reference or are titled Johnny <laughs> from this period, um, <laughs> and I happen to like all of them. So there, um, there are, his name does pop up a couple of times, and Johnny is just whoever is giving you trouble. That's like as an audience oh, member, whoever is okay. giving you trouble in your heart, in your loins, in your brain, that's who Johnny is. So I love that. Okay. And then you have been called the male Marlena Dietrich, and you sing one of her signature songs, right? Illusions from a foreign affair. I, I love those old movies. I do. And that quote is actually from the New York Times, for those who haven't Googled it. It's uh, <laughs> yes. very precious yes, yes. to me. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we, do, we do that song of hers. We do, um, again, Johnny, Van Dugerbordstag Hest, um, which probably is my favorite of hers. Um, but also the Morphium Cabaret, which... Um, I might point out, is um, named for a Misha Spoliansky piece of music um, named Morphium, uh, Morphium Vals, actually, um, which um, Anita Berber, who died of um, an overdose of something, um, I think it was cocaine, I can't remember, um, she died, like, I think almost like in the throes of dancing when she was like 28 or 1, something crazy. She was really young. But she used to dance naked wow. to this song on the tabletops of cabarets. Um, and so we open the show with that. That serves as our um, as our overture, and it's very slinky and sexy and a little bit poisonous. Um, but in and like taking the word morph um, from that, the show constantly morphs 
So different Dietrich songs come in, different ones go out. It just depends on how we're feeling and what's going on in the world too because we also like to comment right. on um, on the state of things. Nice. Oh, it's great that it's flexible like that. Uh, and, yeah, like I said, I got to see the video, a little bit of this, um, at the preview party out in Columbus a couple weeks ago. Sexy as hell. I mean, I love the costumes. I, I love the your, – just your mannerisms. It's just – how long have you been perfecting this show? Uh, well, Morphium has been um, – uh, there have been like a couple of different iterations of the show. Um, and I began – the very first time I performed anything resembling this program was probably in '09. So 10 years ago, my goodness me, um, at uh, Cafe Zabowski here in New York City. Um, yeah. And it's changed enormously since that time. And then I um, – like over the years, um, I would keep sort of like tooling at it, do a different show, come back to this one. I just, this is my favorite of my programs. I really, really love doing it. So, yeah, but it does. It constantly morphs and changes. And we've done a lot of shows for with uh, Justin Sayer, who um, runs or ran, because uh, the show has since retired. But he used to, uh, he's, he's brilliant. If you don't know who he is, Google him immediately, Justin Sayer. He is uh, he's the voice of our times. For queer people he's just brilliant but he um hosted and devised um a show called um the meeting which was basically uh, a meeting of the fictional um international order of sodomites and every month we would come <laughs> together and just like with a random sometimes shambolic theme and everyone would like go away do their homework come back and have like a song written or rearranged in the style of or touching on the theme and We've Tracy Stark, who is my accompanist and um, uh, musical uh, criminal genius. Um, she and I would perform at this show together a bunch, and so we've got like this massive repertoire of absolute brilliant glittering nonsense. So we'll pick from that and put things in the show, and yeah, that's very cool. I like that. And like you said, you you perform everywhere. You were just at Joe's Pub, like you said, not too long ago. Doing uh, I think it was a couple of days ago. It was entirely, two uh, nights ago. To perform in, do you have any uh, places that you really enjoy? Um, well, I love um, Pangea in the Lower East Side. is absolutely fantastic. It is um, really one. It's it's so intimate, and um, I think the New York Times has called it the closest thing, uh, something along the lines of the closest thing that you can get to a smoky cellar in um, Weimar Germany. Um, and then, of course, there's Joe's Pub, which to me is utterly legendary. It's one of my two chief cabaret homes here in the city. Um, and then my other, like, oh, obviously, I really love uh, Cafe Zawaski at the Neue Gallery. They've been so good to me, and it's just exquisite. And the um, Klimt Adele Blochbauer II hangs, like, upstairs. You know, it was the, the, the woman in gold is what its nickname is. I guess it sold for like 140 something million dollars a couple of years ago. So it hangs there permanently. Oh and it just, yeah. You can just feel the like the money dripping. It's fabulous. Um, <laughs> but like my other favorite venue would have to be the original Butterfly Club in Melbourne, Australia, which doesn't exist anymore where it was. It's bigger now and it's in like um, the central business district now. But it used to be in a tiny, tiny little townhouse absolutely cluttered, like choked with um, random memorabilia of times gone by. And it just, it felt like it's where Sally Bowles went to die. It was absolutely the most amazing place. Oh, nice. I yeah, mean, that's I where I started that singing. Feeling to him, yeah. 
That is very mm. cool. Mm. And then who do you look up to? Do you go? Do you have the time to go out and follow other performers in New York? Who do you like to go see when you have a chance to go out? When I go out, I like to go and see Justin Vivian Bond and Joey Arias. I think that they are both absolutely incredible creatures on stage. They're so inspiring, and they are, they are spellcasters of the highest order. They're so fantastic. Nice. I love that. And what is your guilty, guilty pleasure on your playlist right now? What song would you not admit to anybody else but me that's on your playlist right now? Uh, well, to, to be utterly predictable, um, I pretty much only listen to Kylie Minogue with inflections of um, Kylie Rae Jepsen. Um, and I think... I think still, and I'm really liking Dedication a lot. It's a really fun album, Carly's new record. Um, right. But I am I am loving still um, Cut to the Feeling, which I think she released last year. Um, it's so good. And I just love Kylie's um, New York City, which just came out. We put it in the show for this week, and it was so much fun. Um, that is that is a really bopping, awesome track. It's so, so good. Um, you know what, though, my actual guilty pleasure is? And this is like... I think pretty nerdy and not interesting for a lot of people, but I love the Snow White soundtrack from 1937. I am a huge Disney villain fan, and there's something about walking around New York City listening to the Wicked Queen's theme and I've Been Tricked, which is what her transformation on um, uh, orchestrations is called. Right. Um, and it's, oh, I just think it's absolute heaven. I just walk around feeling so super evil and powerful. I love it. I love that. That's a fantastic guilty pleasure. That's a great answer. I do love that. <laughs> now, with all this admiration of Kylie, has there been any one-on-one action there? Well, <laughs> close yeah. encounters? Close yeah, encounters? I like, I, th- I mean, I've technically been like near her and speaking to her four times. Um, my goal in life is to meet her in a professional context, but so far I've just been like super bonkers and like told her she's the prettiest person I've ever seen <laughs> four times. Yeah, once was like once was in Melbourne and like she like just like happened to like catch my eye as I I was like at the end of this like catwalk. It was the showgirl homecoming tour. So she had just like recovered from cancer. I was in OCX, yeah. Um, and she just was fabulous. She was back on stage. It was the best time because we all, you know, feared she would not um, survive this breast cancer right, that she had. Right. Um, and so it was just magic nonstop. Um, and then she just kind of like, she stopped. And like at the end of the show, and she like started chatting to me. It was like, I was like, I have a show tomorrow night. You should come. <laughs> And she's like, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> but um, she's she's got time. This is what I like about Kylie Minogue. A, everything. And B, she has time for anybody. Um, and I just I just yeah. think that's, that being nice, and it's especially cha- challenging. I don't know what it's like in Columbus, Ohio. I'm going to find out. I can't wait. But in New York City, it is such a challenge to be nice. Kindness, niceness. It really doesn't cost you anything. But this is such a shovey town. And I'm a really fast walker, so it's hard for me to not indulge and sort of lean into that shoviness, especially when I'm <laughs> listening to the Evil Queen's music. Oh, that's you funny. Know. I love that, though. That's hilarious. 
Now, I, I like that. I like that wording, a Chevy type of town. That's very cool. <laughs> oh, it's Chevy. Uh, so let's talk about Columbus here. How did you um, you end up with uh, the Evolution Theater Company here? Uh, did they did they reach out to you? How did they find you? And you've been doing the I show think it's forever. Just the, uh, the magic uh, aligning of the planets and the, uh, oh, yeah. the cosmic dust falling on us both at the same time. Um, they reached out, and um, we were very interested. I think that the mission of um, evolution is so cool, and we need more evolution theaters all over the place. Um, so it is our absolute pleasure to come and uh, spend time with Mark and the theater company and with the audiences here. Well, we're definitely excited to have you down. Evolution is a landmark theater company in central Ohio. Mm. And it's doing such great work. for so, And they bring such great people in. Um, you are chief among them as well. Talk about, um, this is for Pride kickoff. Uh, yes. Columbus, I don't know if you know it or not. but it has I'm not even going to pack pants. I'm so excited. Uh, it's going to be an exciting stuff for it. What does Pride mean to you anymore? Um, do you still go to Pride festivals, or what, is, what does LGBT Pride mean to you? I mean, New York is going to be swamped this year with World Pride. World Pride and, and the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Look, I'm, Pride to me, I think it's important. I think it never, um, it's never not important. Um, the feeling that I get, like, I, I was um, I was in P-Town for, like, a, a spring and summer doing an amazing um, Oscar Wilde play there, um, Provincetown in Massachusetts at the end of Cape Cod. Um, it's just, like, and it, that felt like it was, like, nonstop pride all the time because there are, like, rainbow flags everywhere and everyone's super fabulous and gay. And it's just, like, that kind of feeling I realized after being so immersed in it, like, when I'm in New York during the month of June, I, I get that feeling. And it is such a beautiful, safe, loving, uh, inclusive feeling. And so I think, and, and once, once like, you know, the TD banks take down their, their rainbow flags and cause everyone like goes nuts during pride and then it all right returns back to like the world is for the straight people. Um, right. and when, <laughs> when it, when it, when it does sort of recede back, once July comes around, you really, at least I do, I really notice it. And I'm like, okay, I, I can totally see why pride is valuable. And I've been a proud person my whole life, as I detailed. Um, and I've had very supportive um, uh, family members, like all over my family. Um, um, but like I, I, when I stop and I think about people who haven't had that like in, in amazing luxury and generosity of the universe to be in a supportive situation growing up, I think pride must mean even more to them. So for me, it's just something that I like, really enjoy and I like, I, I just adore and I feel like a, a brother and sisterhood with, with everybody. Um, but I think for people who need it even more than that, it must be um, a, a huge refuge. Very well said. And I think this year we just announced yesterday, the day before, this will be the first year a major broadcast station is doing New York Pride. ABC is going to be doing New York Pride live and streaming it across the, the, the globe, which is really cool that we're ever going to have these people in small towns, America, be able to see what this is all about. So well said. Great job. I love that. 
I think it's um, it's super important. Like I grew up with like the Sydney um, Mardi Gras being streamed on TV, um, and so for me that kind of like. I don't know why Australia took so long with gay marriage. It's so embarrassing. I can't even talk about it. But um, thank God it's there now. But like, um, like that kind of like visibility wasn't unusual. Even like in the because like what am I? I'm like 36 in June, I think. Yeah, 36. Although my Wikipedia says I'm a lot older. Don't pay attention. Um, <laughs> I you still look yeah, I fabulous, darling. <laughs> I, I don't know who's writing that thing. Um, but it's yeah, it's none of my business. It's just the press. Um, but, like, in the 90s, I guess, when I would have been watching that, like, it was like, what is this? These people look like they're having a nice time. And so, like, and also, look, look, I have a gay uncle, like, there were, like, who was in stable relationships and all the rest. Like, so I had, like, a really, like, uh, it wasn't a, a mysterious terror to me, the idea of being gay growing up, you know? So right. I think that, like, having it televised, having, like, pride celebrations televised is a really healthy thing for kids growing up feeling a little bit different. Agreed. Yeah, I love it. I think it's going to be a great milestone, and New York Pride is such the big event. So, yeah, it's going to be mm. amazing. Uh, yeah, New York is crazy. I, I would be there if I wasn't here in Palm Springs for a month, but New York is going to be off the charts this week, uh, this entire oh, yeah. month coming up. Uh, so let's go back. Let's uh, finish things up here. You're going to be at there on um, – the Evolution Theater Company, it's going to be June 8th, one night only. So if you miss mm-hmm. this, you're out of luck. They usually have a couple of performances and things, but we can only find you for one night because you're such a busy guy here. So at the Shed mm-hmm. Theater <laughs> in Columbus, June 8th at 730. Uh, tickets start at $15 general admission, but if you are smart, you're going to get the special ticket that includes a champagne meet and greet with Kim after the show. Got to have a cocktail or two, my friend. That'll be nice. Yep. Arrive thirsty. There you go. Very good. Well, this is <laughs> going to be a fantastic show. And then, like you said, you teased a little bit about uh, Provincetown. You're also going back to the Crown and Anchor in August. You're going to mm. Sydney in July. you got yep. a busy schedule in front of you, my friend. I do, and I love it. Anytime I get to perform with Tracy, honestly, she is majestic as a musician she is well also as a human she's fabulous but she's just like getting to sing with her like come and hear tracy above all else and then suffer through my nonsense if you must but like she's a gem oh my goodness i'm so lucky i get to perform with her we are very excited to have tracy that's tracy stark that'll be performing with kim over at columbus so yeah definitely see that now let everyone know where they can find you. What music do you have out now? You have new music coming out soon, I think you can tease. But uh, yeah. talk about where they can find your current music and talk about your website and where people can find you and become obsessed as I have become. <laughs> and me. I'm obsessed too. Um, KimDavidSmith.com <laughs> is my website. And my music's on iTunes. We're just in the middle stages of preparing my first live album. So that's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Um, but yeah, my dance album, Nova, is uh, is available on iTunes. And the remix album, Supernova, is also available. So check it out. Fantastic. Well, thanks for being on the Left of Straight show, my friend. It's been great getting to know you. Oh, please. It was a pleasure. Stay on the line for me, Kim. Guys, we'll be back to wrap things up in just a little bit. Big shout-out to our guests. Thank you very much, Mr. Kim David 
Smith, we appreciate it. We're looking forward to Columbus, June 8th, one night only. Be there, guys. Here we go. Kevin McHale with Help Me Now. Kevin's got another new single coming out. It's either this week or next week. If you missed my interview with Kevin and Jenna Ushkowitz from Glee, 
sure to check the archive. Check out the website, www.leftofstraight.com, L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R, the number eight.com. Big shout out and thanks to my guest today, Kim David Smith. Just two days left till he'll be performing uh, in Columbus for the Evolution Theater Company, our good friends over there. Look up uh, tickets and that. You can go to the Evolution website. I believe it's evolutiontheater.org. Uh, look that up. Uh, it's a great kickoff to Pride happening in Columbus over there. Amazing time. Thanks for uh, him taking the time to call in all the way from New York. Appreciate that. Thanks for listening to a special episode today on a special time. We're also going to do a special episode tomorrow. We're going to bring you uh, about a new book in Columbus, LGBTQ Columbus, written by good friends of the show, Ken Schneck and uh, Sean Mc- Shane McClellan. I'm going to talk to them tomorrow. And we have an amazing dancer choreographer, Sean Dorsey, is going to be on. Um, so great show tomorrow with a little extra. Since I'm in Palm Springs all summer, I have live shows here with live guests coming in from L.A. We had our first two this week. Sure to check those out. And uh, so I'm doing some special shows on Thursday and Friday with some pre-tape interviews of some people I committed to that we really need to find out about their work cause there's so much great stuff happening in Pride. So let's go ahead and end it there. I appreciate you listening in. Again, thanks to all our guests. Look for me tomorrow. We'll have a brand-new live Standing on my soapbox at 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock Eastern, followed at 7 o'clock by a brand new Left of Straight show that I will uh, do the introduction for. And uh, otherwise, it'll be a taped interview. But thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great uh, evening, great rest of the weekend. Bye-bye.